Welcome to Supex Radio, a talk show devoted to startup and early stage entrepreneurship, angel and venture investing, technology, and small business in general. You can find Supex Radio in the iTunes Store and on SoundCloud by searching for Supex Radio. That's S U P X Radio. Also, to remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Supex. That's at T H E S U P X. And mark your calendars because Supex the Startup Expo will be July 26th at the Broward Convention Center again in Fort Lauderdale. And we're expecting 1,000 to 1,500 attendees this year. And we'll talk a little little bit more about that uh, today with our guest. And that guest is my friend Kevin Horick, host of Building the Future, a podcast, radio, and TV show distributed throughout the U.S. And I guess since it's virtual, also even beyond. Kevin, my friend, welcome back. Thanks, Bob. I'm happy to be uh, kind of on the other side of the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you had me the other time and I, I asked you how many guests you were up to now and you said something like 250. So... Uh, you're a, a little more mature than us. I think your guest like 17 or 18. So, um, Kevin, well, that's great, man. Yeah, we'll tell the story perhaps later about how we met. But uh, sure. let's give our audience a little bit. Uh, I'd like them to get to know our guest. You know, where'd you grow up? You know, where do you live now? Where'd you go to school? That kind of stuff. Sure. So I I live actually up in Canada in Edmonton, Alberta. Kind of born and raised. I spent a summer kind of down in LA, um, taking a, a summer corporate design course at UCLA. But other than kind of that, I've been um, kind of living in Canada basically my whole life. Um, I actually went to a local tech college up in Canada, and um, I've also went to the university up here. And basically, I kind of fell into the industry. I, I think I started learning kind of web design stuff when I was 12 in uh, junior high school. One of our teachers was teaching it in computer class, and I kind of just did it as a hobby and um, in the evenings and weekends. And my dad came to me one day, and he, he, he's been in computers, and I've had kind of a computer since the 80s. Just either we had one in the home or before that, he used to bring one home. He worked for the government, so we used to bring home the little Apple uh, 2Es home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to play Stratego and, and the black and white thing every weekend or whatever. But um, he came to me one day, and he's like, you know, the local tech college is like, runs a class on all the software you play with, you should maybe go to this. And I actually left high school a month early to go, you know, kind of ended up coming out of school, working at the local university. And then, you know, I went back to university, ended up getting hired by one of my bosses or one of my teachers and, you know, kind of been working in the the debt design kind of tech industry for a couple decades now and kind of at startups, at marketing agencies, software companies, you name it, I've kind of probably worked at a company that's doing or has done it. And so what is your official day job? Uh, we'll talk about your podcasting more. Sure. But what's the official day job? So I'm the chief design officer at a startup um, called Stacks, and we're basically building kind of a research portal for um, different industries. We're kind of focusing more on uh, – medical and and corporate markets right now where we basically integrate with uh, a bunch of kind of like paid content online where people are doing research and whatnot they basically use our interface and all their other kind of third-party integrations that get pulled into the interface we're building and we partnered with a company out of boston to kind of sell that globally and it's been doing pretty well over the last couple years and and so that's kind of my day job and then like you mentioned um I do kind of the radio TV show as well. So 
Before we talk about the radio TV show, sure. uh, just for my edification and some of the people in the audience, what are the span of responsibilities for, say, a chief design officer? What all does that involve? Um, it, it really kind of depends. The days are, are kind of different sometimes. Sometimes I'm prototyping stuff, um, you know, working with other kind of UX people. Um, sometimes we're just sitting in Photoshop or Sketch or uh, Adobe Experience Designer and actually, like, building screens for things. Um, it's also the you get the fun job of, of testing some of the, the changes that or um, new features that you've gotten guys to build on the floor, right? And so, um, and then iterating through those, sometimes getting feedback, sometimes also answering support uh, tickets if, if somebody has a question about something or sometimes, you know, just creating um, some content, you know, doing some webinars, um, that kind of thing around kind of anything and the design and, and loosely kind of front-end related. And I guess since you are a startup, you're probably thinly staffed, and so, you know, you do wear a lot of hats uh, even underneath the chief design officer one. Yeah, exactly. I, I think anybody working at a startup kind of understands. Like, there's about 15 of us, so, you know, not a, yeah, you kind of basically have to do what you have to do sometimes, right, which is part of the job. So... I'm, I'm going to ask you the question how you got into podcasting in mm -hmm. a second, but I want to first tell the story how we met and sure. give people an idea of how things have changed in a short amount of time. And correct my memory, because uh, I do qualify for AARP now. <laughs> so, uh, so I think we met about three years ago, right before the first SUPEX, and yep. I found you on LinkedIn because, as That's you correct. know, I'm a LinkedIn user. And yep. saw that you did cool startup stuff, and, and it even mentioned a small podcast. And I just sent you a LinkedIn invitation and said, would love to add you to my network or something. And you responded, and uh, we got on a phone and talked more about what you did, uh, your day job, and also the podcast, and how, you, if I'm not mistaken, you were j just getting into it at that point. Yeah, hadn't even recorded an episode. Yeah, just just getting into it, and yeah. I said, I've got a great idea. Why don't you come to Supex, because it was our first one, and uh, you can, uh, we'll, we'll set you up where you can meet, uh, I'll introduce you to all of our speakers, and you'll have awesome content, and you help me get the word out and you know it'll be fun and we'll get to meet each other in person and we'll see where this thing goes yep and uh three years later uh before we tell the story how you got into podcasting will you sure. please tell the listeners how many people that you now reach via podcast radio and tv sure. a month Sure. I, I think just before I answer that, I think the other thing I would add to our, kind of our story is you actually got me to – I recorded a bunch of people at the event. You had a room for me. Yeah, yeah. I had a bunch of your kind of speakers and panelists. And then I, I also should add that I think the just the people I met at SupeX, I think I had content for six or eight months after <laughs> the show. Like not – Every like not sure. I'm but not constantly people. recording people every day, but I had you know at least a, a few a month for for six eight months that I met that I you know had on the show. I've had a few of them back on the show a few times. Um, some of them have done a TV. Um, you mentioned numbers. I, I guess the show, kind of to my shock and surprise, kind of as of last year, kind of the last half of last year into this year 
kind of went from doing, you know, hundreds of thousands of listens a month to kind of close to 8 million now between um, TV and radio and, and online combined. Um, we're adding a couple more markets right away, which will probably add add to that as well. So for me, it's it's kind of taken off a little bit, and uh, it's it's been exciting. That is an enormous understatement. Uh, from zero to eight plus million, uh, and that's monthly or annually. Either number is a colossus. Uh, monthly. Wow, that's just that's just crazy, Kevin. Um, so. Uh, you are your own startup in a new industry sure. that you have no background in. Uh, yep. How did this come about? Well, it's kind of a kind of an interesting story, I suppose. I, I guess I always was fascinated by podcasting when it first kind of came out. I was like, "What do you mean anybody can just like talk about whatever they want to talk about, or who whatever they want to talk about, and like post it online and other people can listen to it?" Why I never did it. Main reason was I was. Uh, scared of public speaking, like feared it, like just, I, I don't even know, like, I, like it gave me anxiety. It even kind of gives me anxiety just kind of talking about the talking fear. Talking about your anxiety gives habit, you anxiety. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, like that, it was bad. So, and it was, it was funny because I was always scared that, you know, oh, like what, a dozen people might hear this over the next three years. Like how could I post or, or write a blog post that goes live online? Like, you know, dozens of people might read this thing, right? Like who, but so what ended up happening is I, I put it off for, for a number of years and um, some friends, I, I knew some friends that were kind of doing podcasts in, in a different kind of space. And I was thinking like, maybe I should kind of actually just record one. Who cares? Let's just record one, see how it goes. And I was kind of thinking about that. And then I, I kind of just, ah, I'll get to it when I get to it, you know, like do that tomorrow. But we all know tomorrow never comes. Right. And so. I got asked, I'm kind of a LinkedIn, you know, um, person like you, I, I add tons of people and, you know, kind of, I got asked one day by one of those connections, like, oh, would you be on my show and, or radio show? And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not what you're looking for, but the kind of thinking of doing my own show is the network looking for anybody else. I just thought like total shot in the dark, like who, they'll, they'll probably just, I'll probably never hear back, whatever. Lady writes back to me probably like 30 minutes later and was was like, to be honest, I don't know, but I'll pass you on to the station manager. And I thought, okay, whatever. So I sent her a quick email and um, we had a call a few days later, kind of pitched her my idea, which was not really anything revolutionary. It was basically, I just want to interview other people like myself and talk about kind of working at startups or founding startups or being an investor. Um, selfishly, I think a lot of it was to just grow my network, right? Like you're helping people, you're building connections. Um, you know, we're kind of mutually helping each other. Um, I, I kind of, I guess, not, not got bored of LinkedIn, but I was kind of like, how can I kind of take this to the next level? So I had to go through six weeks of media training, which was basically um, watching some YouTube videos for, for lack of a better term for it, I, I guess. And um, started reaching out to these people that I had on LinkedIn. And I said, I kind of shot high. I was like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I go for these people that I've kind of followed for a number of years um, and, and just ask them openly, hey, I'm launching this radio show. Will you be a guest? It's free to be on the show. Can you, do you want to be a guest? And I didn't hear back from a bunch of people. I heard back from a bunch of people, scheduled a bunch of calls with people. And, you know, I started recording. Um, that was 
two and a half, three years ago now, about, um, and kind of just been growing it ever since as a fun little side project. Um, this, so for me, it was kind of a bit by accident. Um, I kind of just went for it one day, and, and then I was like, well, let's just get over my fear of public speaking. Like, go listen to some of the early shows. They're pretty rough. <laughs> it, it is what it is, right? I'm not really necessarily embarrassed by them. I, I think in some ways... I won't go back and listen to them personally, but your listener can, I guess, and go see how they are. Even I think you were like the fifth guest I had on the show. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that. Um, I, I have a good friend who is uh, – he's actually a programmer. And okay. he is he's, – he's an introverted fellow, but he's wonderful at speaking with people. Uh, he has uh, really good social skills. He's – uh, very charming, funny. Uh, he uses wit as a way to draw people out. And I've talked to him, and he said, uh, and I've complimented him because I'm really impressed by this aspect of him, among others. And uh, he said he was painfully shy. Uh, sure. Painfully. And he said he realized he could not go through life that way, and he read books and did everything possible to change that. Um it's interesting. I, I, I bring that up because you've said several times that you had basically anxiety uh, over, yeah, totally. over speaking. And hell, now I can't get you to shut up. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's not. Well, and, well, I think a lot of it, too, is I like talking about that stuff, right? Like what I the people I have on the show, maybe it sounds selfish. But I have people on the show that I want to know more about what they do. And I think that also really helps. And it comes across because I'm selfishly interested in the content that I'm trying to get out of them, right? And then it seems like the listeners have just been benefiting from me being interested in, in what they're trying they're telling me and th- because they might be wanting to know the same answers to the questions that I'm asking right or at least some of them yeah and that's probably uh, a good point if not already too late uh, why don't you tell the listeners exactly what you know is there a theme to building the future does it cover does it have a general focus what what's what's BTF about um well originally it was just kind of like founders and CEOs and kind of entrepreneurs. Um, I've kind of branched out a little bit from that. Um, I still do all those people because I, I still love talking to those people, but I've had some authors, um, you know, obviously they're related to writing kind of business books or, you know, the millennial generation, which I'm in so I can make fun of. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think like stuff like that. I've also had some people kind of more in the entertainment side of things. Uh, like I had, um, you know, people that have done run TV networks or a part of like award shows or anything I think that people would think of their position is almost like maybe a dream job. It might not be necessarily once they get there, but there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I would love that job doing this. Right. And I think having those types of people on the show to talk about their journey, I think almost gets or hopefully gets rid of that illusion that they can't do that either. I think the thing that I've kind of learned, and it sounds really, really stupid, but anybody that's ever been successful, no matter who it is, just decided to go for it one day. It's like, right? It's all it is. Just decide to go for it. Well, much as you have. Uh, yeah. 
we'll circle back a little bit sure. more, but just kind of statistically, I also want to give the audience an idea of the sense of scale. You talk about the number of people, but the mediums. So you're a podcast radio TV, uh, yep. and how many uh, of radio TV, how many stations are you distributing through now? Uh, there's a dozen. So I, I think the main ones are, there's like four or five kind of main main ones. It really depends on kind of um, radio compared to TV. The big one for me kind of in TV is obviously Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. I, I think that was kind of the pinnacle for me um, just because of obviously the content I have. Um, but it airs in, in Kentucky and Virginia and Washington, D.C., um, New Mexico. We're adding a couple other markets that I, I don't really want to necessarily mention quite yet just in case it doesn't happen. But sure. uh, um, And then kind of on the, the radio side, uh, again, kind of Atlanta, um, Washington, D.C., Virginia, and then there's a handful of other kind of markets as well they're all posted online but uh and then we're adding a couple more markets as well um but uh till that actually kind of happens i don't really like to post it but it, it's been kind of interesting and then yeah it, it also airs on a podcasting network out of los angeles which is kind of interesting because it's kind of like well podcast is kind of anywhere but right. the podcasting network is out of la and i i guess it somehow it, it seems to have more mystique to it if you just say it's a podcasting network out of LA instead of like some other city, right? Right. And so if uh, we'll talk about, we'll bring this up again at the end of the show, but if people sure. want to learn more, uh, my listeners do about where they can find you. What's your website and where can they find out about radio and TV stations? Sure. Um, it's buildingthefutureshow.com. Um, has kind of everything. If you go buildingthefutureshow.com slash media dash kit, there's everything like I'm posting numbers. I'm posting everything on there. I kind of maybe um, shouldn't, but I figure why not? Just people want access to it. Sure. There's uh, cost of advertising for the show on there. There's everything. So. So why do you do this, Kevin? I mean, is it it's it's taken on a life of its own, obviously. I mean, it's I, it's crazy how big it's gotten. I think originally uh, I, I thought this thing would last three, four months, maybe a quarter. Um, and then it would just be over. Like they would, the station, would, cause I was only on, I started airing in Atlanta just so you have some context. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought it would just be over. They would be like, you're done your show. We don't want to air your show anymore. Have fun. I'm like, thanks. But <laughs> later, <laughs> um, why I do it now is uh, I, I really enjoy it. I, I think the thing to, that's fun for me is like I'm working on getting over this fear and I still think I I'm working on it and I'll probably be working on it for the rest of my life right because sometimes um I find different guests um sometimes are like really can be really intimidating still um and I try not to let it show or you have a guest on the show that you're like you know the 15 year old kid in me because I grew up listening to a band they signed and I can give you the, the person's name if you want in a second but you know or like they did something and you followed them forever and you're like you're talking to this person on the phone and you're just like uh, uh you know like it, it's right. almost so for me it's just a little star worship uh, yeah a little bit and I also think that it's it's cool when you can have a real honest conversation with somebody that you've kind of respected and they're obviously respect you enough to kind of talk about some 
you know, make sometimes like deeply personal stuff. Sometimes people talk about like how depressed they got when their startup didn't do well or they had to sell or like the highs and lows of this stuff. Like that to me is when, you know, two people are having kind of a real conversation about the reality around, yeah, maybe they had this really successful product or exit, but like how they got there, or the friendships that it ruined or, you know, you, you never know, right? Like these overnight success type things happen usually take decades sometimes. So what lessons uh, do you see for startups? You know, most of our audience are startup and early stage entrepreneurs sure. and some angel and VC investors. And I, I'm curious, uh, some general lessons that can be applied to all kinds of startups. You know, most people in the audience are probably not starting their own podcast business. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I think the best thing to do is you don't have to quit your job. I, I think you can trial and error a bunch of things. I think launching a version of a product or service um, as early as possible it can be weeks, could be months. I think in a lot of cases, not all the time, but if you take six months, even a year to build something before you show one single person outside your kind of core development team, you're just going to end up rebuilding most of it. Um, if not all of it, I, I think the big thing too is just like get out there and do it. I, I think most people won't tell you kind of publicly that they have no idea what they're doing, but majority of people I think have no idea what they're doing. I and like I think the best example is even myself is like I still have no idea what I'm doing with radio and TV. I have no idea. I, I still feel like what what are you talking about? Like it's doing this or they want to move me to a new market. When I say when I say we they want to move me, it's like I work with a media company that puts that helps me move into new markets and and uh, kind of puts out the radio and TV version. So for, for me, it's just like just go out and do it and you'll figure it out. You'll have failures. I, I think failure always comes across to a lot of people as this negative thing, but I don't see it negative at all. I, I think like what's the worst case that's going to happen? You, you you build something. Maybe you spent, say, two weeks or three months on and somebody comes along and says you know what if you added these three things or you went in this direction like you would never have that feedback if you never built version one of that thing right so I think just go out there and do it like it it sounds so stupid but so many people are so kind of scared to just like take that leap of faith you don't have to quit your full-time job you know just start building it and maybe eventually you will quit your job maybe you won't there's a lot of people that do things kind of in the evenings and weekends that generate extra income or, or whatever like you don't have to go all in right or maybe start off with something small like launch a book or launch a podcast with a friend or I don't know just start blogging online like you can post to LinkedIn for free or you know there's a handful of other platforms that are free just like push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit kind of each day or each week or each month or I think that's probably the best advice I could give somebody. Yeah, I think it's great advice, and I think it's uh, I, th I think it's emotional. I, I think uh, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. And do but do something you're passionate about, oh. though, right? Like for me, I'm not gonna um, go in the direction of building a startup in say. I don't know, like the crafting space. My, my mom's a big crafter. That's why I went there. But I have no interest in that. I know nothing about it. So for me to go into that space would just 
I, I would hate it because I, I don't know anything about it, really. So you have to have the courage just to make the leap, and then uh, you have to have a passion to keep you in pursuit of whatever it is, right? Totally. And there'll be days where you want to just quit it all and say, forget it, like, just end it, right? Like, I don't care anymore, right? Good, bad, or other. I've had that a few times, even with the show, where I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like, I enjoy it, but it's time-consuming. And, and you know, when you working extra time in the evenings or late nights sometimes like editing shows because you're going on vacation or you have these other deadlines for for your day job and just like is it really worth it i i guarantee you if you're passionate about it like you'll get through that kind of downturn in it like it's always a roller coaster ride it could be a roller coaster ride up you can have many highs and lows in a day never mind kind of in a week or a month right like it's just part of being at a startup yeah, for me personally, I've been at this in different forms for the better part of a decade now. I used to be sure. more or less a, an investment banker. And uh, I'll have to say my income is fractions of what it used to be, but it is exhilarating to yeah. to be your own boss and to yep. decide to try to do what it is in your gut you think is really, really fun and really, really cool. Uh, sure. And... Like you said, there are days when not only, you know, is everybody in your immediate life questioning why you're doing it, but you are too. And then there's, yeah. other, then there's other days where it's just so crazy fun. You're like, why on earth would I ever do anything else? This is so totally. cool to be able to try to do it. So I think you're a great example, Kevin, of someone who had courage and the courage to go ahead and face their fears. And then also uh, just kept going and rolling with the punches uh, and until... They were very successful and let the passion be that what currently drives them and don't worry too much about it. I, you know, uh, it'll work itself out. You're a great example of all of that. Well, I appreciate that. I, I think the big thing, too, is not caring what other people think about it. There's probably people out there that hate the show. I've lost friends over some in, in the past just because it, it doesn't even really matter. It's like, who cares, right? Like, no matter what you do on the planet, there will be people that love it, hate it not care, and every other combination of whatever you can dream up. It doesn't matter, though, right? I think just as long as it keeps you happy and, and kind of moving forward, I, I think the other thing, too, that um, we didn't touch on that I think is important is y you don't always need these, like, big wins because I think, um, you know, something big happens, like – and I think even just with the show, you add a new market and you're excited and you're pumped and you're like, this is awesome. Like, wow, like I can't even believe it. And then like a week goes by and you don't have another one of these big wins. Like nothing bad happened, but like you didn't have you didn't add another market, say, or, or something didn't happen. It just kind of like, oh, the show just went on for another week and nothing really changed, good or bad. But like the fact that you didn't have this like big win sometimes you're like, well, what's happening? Like, is it is it coming? Uh, like, like, what what you know? Like, you worry sometimes, right? And I think just kind of surviving and moving through some of those as well will happen if you're doing a startup. There's going to be days where you know you get a hundred new customers or a thousand new customers, and then maybe you get a trickle of like ten or thirty over the next couple of weeks, and you're like, well, where's the next thousand, right? Like, am I doing something? You, you're always kind of second guessing yourself. At least I I do, and I've known others that have done the same thing. So I know that you also have two young children, uh -huh. and uh, and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting your wife yet, but she must be super cool. 
How do you balance, you know, if you're a little bit, if you're like me um, and most entrepreneurs, you know, it's, it's hard to turn off the, what you call passion, you know, yeah. your spouse, my spouse, uh, the people on the other sure. side probably call it uh, compulsion. <laughs> not just, you know, it's not just <laughs> Insanity, maybe. Yeah, it's compulsion. <laughs> it's like, and so, you know, for the entrepreneur, that passion is someone else's perhaps compulsion. Uh, how's that balanced or does it, or is one of the, or does it take a special mate to be involved in that? You know, how do you kind of try to achieve, you know, people talk about work-life balance, but, you know, how, how, do, how, does, how do you achieve some balance in your life as you pursue your passion? Sure. I, I think there's a few things. Um, I, I guess I, I think it's well, at least in my case, it, it has something to do with like my wife, but I don't think it's necessarily has to be like uh, your partner. But it's like you need kind of somebody in your life that's the opposite of you. And maybe that's your wife or girlfriend or or boyfriend or, or it doesn't matter, like or your business partner. It could be anybody, but you or you need many of them or a mentor or somebody to basically talk you off the ledge every time you're ready to just throw in the towel for whatever reason, when they can just be like, whoa, 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 like, is it really that bad? What's the real problem here? Is it just you're stressed out? You're tired? You're whatever. Um, I, I think that's super important. But um, for me, I use, well, a few things. Um, I live and die by my calendar. Um, Everything goes in there. I have so I have like a bunch of work calendars, I have a bunch of the show calendar, I have a personal calendar. I, I have like I think there's like ten different calendars. I'm, and I'm not joking. Like there's literally like ten calendars coming into my phone, and I use this busy calendar or it's called Busy Cal, all one word. It's like fifty dollars U.S. And people are like, why did you spend fifty dollars on a calendar app? It's like because it pulls in every calendar. Uh, you can add like an unlimited amount of calendars from like every calendar type of calendar that exists. And that app is like life-saving. And then on, I use an Android phone kind of as my daily phone. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, and Google Calendar on that phone, you can pull in whatever accounts you add, your Google accounts. Luckily, all the accounts I have is Google accounts. They they pull into to that. Like my calendar is just crazy with like I pull my wife's calendar. We share calendars, pull work calendars show calendars, everything into that. Um, I also sometimes carry a second phone. And I know carrying two phones is a pain, in, a huge pain. But for me, I have like a US number because I'm, if you didn't catch it earlier, I, I actually live in Canada, but most of the stuff I do is in, in the States. So I have a US phone that's like running Android um, on Google's Project Fi. And so like I can text and email or sorry, text and call kind of from any one of my devices including the computer and then I carry an iPhone um, as kind of my Canadian phone it has a Canadian sim in it um, sometimes I switch that out to a different Android phone sometimes I just move it into my other Android phone okay or just you, carry this, one phone are you Kevin Horick or Jason Bourne what the hell well, no but I, I guess <laughs> the, the thing that's interesting about that is why why I say that is because I put down I turn off all the a lot of the notifications on kind of my Canadian phone um, just because I put the other phone away sometimes at night, at least for a couple of hours. So like I don't check email, I don't get any like work hangouts or Slack messages or, or whatever. Right. I literally just use it for like texting and calling like my Canadian friends and family. That's it. And I usually also try to take Saturdays off. Like I don't do anything 
kind of work related. I, I try not to even use my US phone. Like it usually just stays up in the room charging all day. So I think just kind of con- disconnecting from that. I'm not saying you need to carry two phones, but figuring out some way to kind of disconnect from um, technology. I know guys that or girls that just leave their phone away all day Saturday. They don't even touch it or check it. And I find kind of that that helps quite a bit for me. That's kind of a long rambly answer. Do you ever put your uh, devices away for a couple days at a time? Couple days? Yeah. Um, no way. Not recently. Yeah, I just. Can't I, I think the last time I did it was probably five years ago, and I, I, I don't know. I think I lasted nine days, and then I cracked. Yeah, that's amazing. I, 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 nine <laughs> hours is an achievement for me, you know. And maybe that's not counting those that I'm sleeping. Sure. <laughs> or maybe it does count those. So for you, one of the things, if I'm hearing you correctly, just organization helps you create work-life balance. You've, you've got to have some tools to kind of keep yourself uh, organized so that it doesn't get out of control. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, well, this sounds really bad and probably the iPhone users will hate me for this, but I much prefer Android over iOS and I'm, I'm my iPhone is an iPhone six. Mm-hmm. So it's slow. It's kind of buggy. It actually drives me crazy to use and it sounds kind of counterproductive, but I don't enjoy using it because it's slow. It's buggy. It's crazy old, but like I, all I needed for is kind of texting. Well, you could and, sell your car and get like an iPhone X. <laughs> I could, I could. But but the nice thing about it is if I'm out and about with like friends or I'm like my daughter's like swim lessons or soccer or whatever, I don't want to be on my phone, right? Because it's so tempted to just like pull it out of your pocket yeah. and check something quick. Yeah. But it's like if you don't enjoy using it because it's so slow, you don't pull it out and, you know, kind of get distracted by it. Let's going back to your your show itself. Um, the range of the guest, you know, you have everything from startups to you know media giants. Uh, any particular uh, guests that stand out that you really were fascinated with with them, either from a business aspect that you found surprising and really memorable to this day, or something personal, a challenge that they overcame. I'm just curious. You've now done sure. over 250 shows. Any couple of shows and guests that really stand out that you admired or respected? Yeah, there's there's been a few. Um, I, I think the two that kind of jump out to me um, off just all the time is there's a guy named Hampus Jacobson. He His team kind of sold a bunch of kind of mobile games to Sony and a handful of other companies um, kind of before the smartphone. Um, and he's interesting. He sold the company to BlackBerry. They designed the first version of Android. He he's had like he sold the company to BlackBerry for like 150 million dollars. Like the guy has had more success than I think mo- most people will have in many lifetimes. He's like super super humble about it. He started another company. He ended up deciding to shut it down. His some of his customers ended up buying it from him. Um, and he he openly talks about this. He talks about like how the French Parliament invited him to talk to their like you know basically their government about like what the freemium model is and how to actually leverage it to make money and he's just like he's he was he openly talks about how like he still feels like he's worried about somebody finding out he's kind of like a fraud right and i and I'm like and he doesn't know what he's doing and it's it was a wild eye opening show i've been on the show a couple of times um kind of both versions the guys 
amazing. I think the other thing, uh, the other person that really kind of stands out for me was um, Brian Smith, the founder of uh, Uggs, the the shoe company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his book that he brutally honest talks about the highs and lows of, of founding that company and the struggles and the challenges around that. Um, he fascinating to me. He sold UGG to I I can't remember the company. Um, for $15 million. We all know it's a multi-billion dollar company now, but, and he openly talks about this on the show and, and his book, um, how he didn't have like the money, the team, the resources to get it from, you know, tens of millions of dollars into a multi-billion dollar company. And I think that's, that was kind of really eye-opening to me because it's like you and I could brainstorm an idea right now on the show and it could be worth a billion dollars, right? Like one day if we actually built it and, you know, it, it took off. But if you, if we don't have the, the resources or the team to actually get it there, we might have to sell it for $2 million. And it doesn't matter if it goes on to be a billion dollar company. We don't have, and so that to me was, you know, kind of really eye opening because so many people in, in the startup game, at least are looking for that like lottery ticket. Like it needs to sell for tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars. But there's nothing wrong with your startup making 50, 60, uh, 200 grand a year and you have a small team or maybe a million bucks a year and you have a small team and you guys all live comfortably. Like I think that to me is a way more realistic goal and I've learned that from other people. And if, if your startup takes off and, you know, becomes worth tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, like great, but it's so much harder and it's so more, so much more daunting to be like, we need to be worth $10 million than just saying like, look, let's just try to be worth like a hundred grand. Well, and there's also milestones. I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, everybody would love to be the next Sergey Elkin or Larry Page sure, or, or whoever, exactly. whoever, but, uh, you know, it's also important to consider it's really helpful to hit some singles, doubles, and triples, do some round totally. trips, make yourself, you know, prove an exit. While $15 million might not sound like a lot for Uggs compared to what its market value is now, I mean, that made that guy, you know, he has an exit at 15, it makes him bankable yep. for a future, you know, product, at least in that vertical. Um, you know. Well, and if he doesn't go crazy, he can live the rest of his life on that. Like, yeah. you're not buying a yacht every day, but who needs that, right? Like, Yeah, and a mind like that is usually pretty fertile. I'm sure there's there's been some other ideas since then, or, or maybe he sure. just kicked back. So where does, you know, where does building the future go from here? I know you said you've got a couple of markets you're getting ready to add that you can't really name. Sure. Uh, so I'm assuming more markets over time in both TV and radio. Are you doing any other products or training or sure. know, what else are you trying to do with this, you know, this huge following that you're building? Sure. I, I think the big thing is I'm trying to bring – I think the audience a bit more back online. Um, I'm, I'm going to start doing working on kind of a, a free community where I want to maybe invite some of the past guests and, and listeners um, actually into a group, maybe a Slack channel, something like that. It's pretty early on. I, you know, been thinking about it for maybe a couple of months. Um, looking at doing that kind of right away. Um, the other thing too is I've been asked a ton lately on how how I've kind of started the whole show and of how I got it to where it is now. Um, so I'm basically working on a course now that'll launch in July 
um, talking about all that. And I'm going to put everything in it, like um, from numbers to how I got this and that, how I kind of hack social media, how I use LinkedIn, um, all that kind of stuff it will be in there. Um, I'm about halfway through writing it um, now and it'll be kind of online and, you know, people can get it. Um, right now, a lot of it was just, I was, I have this long email that I was just like sending to people with all the gear and, and stuff like that. And I think the thing that's funny about it is uh, you really, I think for a hundred dollars, you could basically get started. And I still use the gear that I bought for a hundred dollars to record the show with. I, I didn't really, I haven't spent any more money than that. Um, I've grown, I've added some gear just to do some in-person stuff, but for the most part, like free, and I've actually moved to free software now, um, to record. So, you know, like a $80 mic and some free recording software plugs into your, uh, computer and you're ready to go. Well, you were the motivation for me to do this. Uh, and you actually encouraged me. I appreciate me that. And you, and you actually encouraged me and you've been super supportive of me and, and, and given me great advice and, while I don't have a fraction of those followers, I'm surely and we'll get you there, Bob. Which I, I, I surely, I certainly enjoy doing the show. So, Kevin, how does how's the show changed you? Um, that's interesting. I I I, I um, don't fear public speaking as much. I've, I've done it a, a lot more. Um, I, I think the other thing too for me is it's kind of brought the illusion of certain things. Um, it's kind of gone, which in some ways is good and in some ways is kind of bad. I, I think I, I always call it like the Hollywood illusion. Um, I always joke about that. It's like that's kind of gone for me now with some of these these people. I, I think in, in some cases it's really good because now you when you reach out to somebody or you talk to somebody that's maybe you're like intimidated by, it's like they're they are successful sure but most people i think that are successful got help by somebody else successful when they were kind of coming up and i think a lot of people not everyone feel like it's not their obligation but they feel like they need to kind of pay it back as well because somebody helped them so now they're like i will help you know other people coming up behind me and so I, I think just being able to reach out to somebody or talk to somebody that's more successful or I, I think in a lot of cases just not being so intimidated to to be vulnerable to some of those people or or ask for advice or say like, hey, like, you know, I followed your career for a number of years, love to have you on the show or, you know, can I ask you a question or, or whatever, right? I think just having the ability to have the balls to just kind of ask, right? You get might get turned down, but who cares? Like nobody knows. Like if if you and I send an email right now to say, I don't know, like Larry Page and asked him for dinner and we never hear back, well, the only people that ever know that Larry Page didn't write back to you or I is you or I. Like you, you who cares? And, no, you right? and you and the bot that handles his email. <laughs> well, yeah, well, whatever, right? Sure. But you know what I mean, right? Like so many people are just so scared to even like send something to right. somebody. And they have no idea. Well, I think the lesson, I think the lesson there too is I don't think this is just for. I think this is true of anything. You do, look, jerks get a lot more of attention, and they make their marks in our minds probably more. But there are so many more nice people out there, 
than people imagine and so many more people out there that are willing to help and give back sure. and if you do things like what you do and I put on a large event I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm so often so pleasantly surprised at how many people are nice to me totally uh, and you know it makes you want to try to be nice back and be a little nicer yourself or in my case I mean myself <laughs> you're you're sure. pl- you're plenty nice already <laughs> <laughs> so uh <laughs> We we haven't mentioned this yet, but it's probably a, sure. a, a good thing to mention. We're you're going to MC Soup X this year, which we're super stoked about. That is, I'm I'm pumped about it as well, Bob. And it's just funny to go from meeting kind of three years ago on LinkedIn to coming to your event. I I actually didn't come to your event last year because my son was literally born two days after. So. <laughs> Probably glad I didn't fly um, <laughs> that that time while my wife is happy. Anyway, um, so I was giving you the pitch too. I remember yeah. I always keep saying, "Well, well, you, it, well, maybe she's due the next week," and you're like, I, yeah, yeah. "I can't do it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it was a hard call, but but I booked my flight, Bob. So there's no turning back this year. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we're 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 so excited to have you, and you're such a great example of. So many of the things that you've talked about today, courage, facing your fears, you know, overcoming anxiety, you know, having the guts to just go for it. I think when you were just telling people to go for it, you went for it. So now, you know, instead of you're just a guy starting a podcast, you're you're really, uh, you know, a focal point of our event this year. And we're delighted to have you and the, the Building the Future community, you know, attend SUPEX. And uh, we're less than 60 days away. It was actually uh, two weeks from this uh, past Saturday. So... Wow. Uh, I am in full throttle. Uh, I can imagine. Just pulling stuff together and scrambling, but uh, really excited to have you come back down, Kevin. Yeah, I'm excited to come down too. And um, I, I think it, it's interesting because just even in the three years going from, you know, like I said, meeting somebody online to basically emceeing their event, right? And kind of dealing with getting over my fears of this stuff. Like, if if I could do it, and it, this sounds really bad, but I, I think I, I want it to kind of sound motivational, at least maybe in, in the sense that like, I live in Canada. That's, I come to America a handful of times, but most of the stuff I do is in America. So it's like people, you it doesn't matter where you geographically are located nowadays. If you wanna do something kind of online, you, you can fly around if you need to, but majority of the time, I don't fly that often for the show. I, I wish I could travel more for the show, but you don't need to. So I think just geographically, it doesn't really matter where you live anymore, right? I don't think it does in many respects. And again, you, you're a great example of a, uh, for a lot of startups on just tenacity and courage and guts and willing to go for it. And we're delighted to have you come down. Thank you for being our guest. Kevin, where would people find out more about Building the Future again so they know how to learn more? Sure. Um, the best is kind of just buildingthefutureshow.com. And there's past episodes and kind of everything there. Um, and I look forward to kind of seeing you in at Supex in a couple of months. Can't wait to see you, Kevin. Thanks so much for being our guest today. Thanks, Bob. We'll talk soon.